Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of Grilling and Chilling. Wow, wow, wow. This is going to be one heck of an episode. Today's guest is my friend, Thomas Pan, the man who hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. For those who don't know, the Pacific Crest Trail is an absolutely grueling 2,600-mile hike all the way up the west coast of the United States. It's a trek that is revered within the hiking community, and for good reason. Now, as you'll realize while listening, this episode was recorded about a year ago to the day, which plays a factor because unfortunately Thomas's trip was cut just short at the end by the wildfires that were rampant in California last summer. However, the stories that he has to tell and the lessons that he has to teach will be more than enough to blow your mind and make you want to set out on the trail yourself. And so now, I give you Thomas Pan. All right, welcome to today's episode of uh, of grilling and chilling, grilling featuring and chilling. Thomas Pan, aka Fluff. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, yeah, what's the deal? What are we doing? So I just wanted to uh, pick your brain a little bit about uh-huh. the the recent adventure. I guess yes. you could say that you had the through hike. Yeah, the through hike on the Pacific Crest Trail. Yes. It's called. Okay. Yes, the PCT or the Pacific Crest Trail. So. You had started this trip uh, on well, what day exactly? I started on April 30th of this year, so 2021. Okay. And I had my my plan, so like I guess like my itinerary was to finish in four months, so like roughly 120 days. So it would have gone like it would have gone from the end of April to like early to mid September. Right. Okay. And so considering that we're, we're here now in mid-September and you're already back here. Yeah. Um, there were some catches <laughs> along the way towards the end there. Um, there were many of those. Yeah. So yes. I guess to, to start from the end here, what had brought you back early? So your trip? starting from the end, um, I, I ended up getting off trail roughly around the 1800 mile mark which is like Ashland, Oregon. So it's like southernmost part of Oregon. Um, the PCT runs through three states. It runs through California, Oregon, and then Washington. Right. So I had spent like a majority of the summer in California and um, just like watching the wildfire season bloom up and get worse and worse and worse. So in the last like maybe three weeks that I was hiking, I was basically just like shrouded in smoke constantly. Yeah, um, I saw the pictures. It yeah. Was- ridiculous <laughs> and yeah so the last like week and a half ish um was just like the most hectic part of the trail yeah. it was just like everyone on trail scrambling to run away from fires scrambling to like get rides around fire closures and it, a lot of hikers ended up like funneling into the same towns because you know if you were down south and the fire is spreading north the fire is spreading south yeah. everybody below that fire ends up like in the same spot right and like a good amount of people continued to hike and a lot of people ended up flipping so what we call a flip-flop is when like you originally start like one way and then you flip the other way and then start hiking backwards so right. that's what we call a flip-flop so that's kind of what i did um so from ashland i decided that like it just wasn't worth it wasn't worth hiking there it wasn't good for my health yeah. Um, it wasn't good for my mental health either, just, like, being in constant fear of, That's like, wildfires. So yeah. yeah. So what I ended up doing is, like, 
you know, my parents, like, offered, you know, early on in the summer, like, if I needed any help, and, like, you know, they'd come, they'd right. come scoop me. So I just called my parents. They live in Washington, so I'm from Washington State. Um, it was, like, a five-hour drive to um, Ashland, Oregon, and they picked up some of my friends, and then we drove way back up to Washington, and then we did some hiking in Washington. And at that point, like, I had decided that, you know, my thru-hike, like, my continuous footpath, from the Mexican border to the Canadian border, it was already like pretty doomed, right. you know, because we had skipped so many miles due to fire closures. Yeah. So instead, I realized like, well, like, being prepared for school is probably the next best thing I can do for myself. So instead of, instead of trying to bang out as many miles as I could in the short amount of time that I had, um, I would just, you know, settle down at home for a little bit. Spend right. some time with the family, spend some time with my little brother and my friends, and then just get right back into school. That's probably the best thing you could do. Right. And uh, to just interject a little bit into there uh, on what you were saying before about your parents having to like come mm-hmm. grab you. So for me personally, um, if I was to go and try and take that hike, my uh-huh. parents would never let me even begin. To, they wouldn't let you. To that was, I was in the same the position. Right. I was going to ask you how. Were your parents just okay with you going out and taking this what trip? What was the what were like the conditions? So um, it's crazy. So I've been wanting to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, like that specific trail, since I was like, you know, fourteen, fifteen years old. Yeah. And like, it's always been brought up to my parents. It's always been shut down by my parents. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't even let me hike solo. Like, you know, when I was in high school, like end of my senior year, you know, summertime, junior year, you know. I could drive, you know, and I, I had, like, hundreds of and hundreds of miles backpacking underneath my belt. So, like, right. I was confident hiking alone, but my parents would never let me do it. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward to, like, COVID of last year. So, it was, like, fall of 2020 when I decided that I wanted to hike the PCT. Yeah. Because um, I realized, like, there's never, there's never a good time to do something, like, a long, like, a multi-month trip. You know, you have to drop all of your commitments and pretty much say goodbye to everybody in order to do that kind of thing. So it was just a matter of like, okay, I'm doing it. Like we're going out there and there'll never be a better time than than now. Yeah. Um, So when I was signing up for classes in the spring, I wanted to I wanted to sign up for part time classes so that I'd have time to like mentally and physically prepare for the PCT. But instead. They, um, they wouldn't let me, so Rutgers wouldn't let me sign up for part-time classes because yeah. apparently if you're an SAS, you have to be a senior with, like, enough credits to graduate in order to part-time or you need, like, some other special, like, medical or whatever conditions. Yeah, so sucks. I just, like, didn't sign up for classes yeah. um, spring semester. <laughs> Full-time so, training. Yeah, and, and we, I didn't even do a whole lot of training, <laughs> but, like, Fall, so in fall, so the conversation between my parents and I essentially happened like this. I went downstairs and I said, hey mom, I didn't sign up for classes. Um, I'm going to hike the, I'm hiking the PCT. And, and she's like, what's, what's that? And, and, and at, at first they were, they were extremely skeptical. Yeah. Um, I mean, they I didn't, imagine. they didn't know what I was getting into. They, they didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, but they were they were very understanding and like you know trying to figure out why I wanted to do it, how I was going to make it happen, what they needed to do to support me. 
right. um, and over time like as my parents like understood what was going on um they be, they were like more comfortable letting me go out there right. so it was a long process it was like multiple months before it was like fall of 2020 when i decided that i was gonna hike it and then like spring like late spring early summer when i actually went out there right um and actually like one of my neighbors that my parents is really good friends with um he had i'm not sure what the relation is but like he knew somebody who had hiked the continental divide trail and he invited he invited him over to his house and invited my family over and we had a really long conversation on like through hiking and like his perspective on hiking the Continental Divide Trail. Right. It's pretty similar to the Pacific Crest Trail where it runs border to border from Mexico to Canada. Okay, but yeah, it's like, that was my next question. Yeah, it's <laughs> like the Pacific Crest Trail, it's like on the Pacific Coast, and then the Continental Divide Trail is like kind of in the Midwest. Okay. So he, he already knew what was going on, and just like my father listening to the conversations that like this other hiker had had between, between me, like kind of alleviated his fears and deepened his understanding of like what through hiking really is. Right. Um, I remember my dad's exact words was like, after listening to this conversation, I feel a lot better about this because initially I thought you were going on a on a death march. Right. And that's kind of what it is. You're you're going on a death march. I was gonna say it's <laughs> it's no easy task. Right. Which which you went on, but I guess to to have the experience of somebody who has done something like right. that before just explain. Mm-hmm. Um, eases a lot of concerns right even for me i like learned a lot from from talking to a previous through hiker yeah um because oh. like it, it it's it's a pretty daunting thing to just like go out and be alone for four months yeah. and it's not like you're alone alone because like there's other people doing right, right? There, i would say like 90 to 95 percent of the pacific crest trail through hikers out there start alone like they they don't know anybody else who's interested in doing because obviously like where are you gonna find somebody to agree to go on a four-month hike with you you know (laughs) so you end up like at the mexican border and there's going to be other people starting this adventure with you on the same day and if not the same day you'll you'll, you're just going to meet so many people along the way that like if you want to not be alone you cannot be alone but if you want to be alone right just be alone you know and to your earlier point that like finding somebody to do a hike with you is probably incredibly difficult. Right. But then would you even want to go on a hike with somebody that you know start to finish like that? Because right. I feel like if I was on a hike with somebody for four months that that grueling, I might tear that other person apart. It's it's that. Versa. It's yeah, it's the, the difficult the physical and mental difficulty of it is one thing, but then you also have to consider the logistics. Right. Um the Pacific Crest Trail in specific is one of the I, I guess like there's so there's three major trails um in the u.s there's the pacific crest trail the continental divide trail which i brought up and then the appalachian trail which a lot of you probably are That's relatively what, familiar yeah, with familiar. um they all have their own challenges but the major challenge for the pct is the logistics because you have to deal with fire closures you have to deal with so many different environments like the first 700 miles of the pct is just desert hiking through the the southern california desert and you have to carry you have to carry water you know upwards to like 20 25 miles at a time and you need to know where that water is and you need to know like how am i going to get food like how am i going to get into towns like and if you're hiking with a group then the logistics are even more complicated so like 
I would say like one of the benefits of hiking alone is that um, you're you get to act very independently and more efficiently. Whereas if you hike with a group, like you have the safety and enjoyment of hiking in numbers, yeah. but then you also need to figure out way more things like you know just getting from point A to point B, like getting off trail into towns, like hotel rooms and everything. Right. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so with that being said, I guess, um, after, after your whole experience doing it uh, mm-hmm. this, this past summer, would you attempt to do it again and hopefully oh, yeah, yeah, have yeah. better condition? Yeah. Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm, I'm going back next summer. Okay. I'm hiking out of the Mexican border again, another right. summer. So I'm going to be on the PCT all the time, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like that, that trail is my love, man. That's sick. Yeah. So uh, now that you have experienced as much as you have mm-hmm. of the PCT, when you attack it again the next time, are, are you going to try to do anything differently, either in your preparation? Do anything differently? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, I guess, well, since when you're out there, you have a lot of time just to, like, ponder about things, right? And, like, yeah. one of those things, one of the things that I did to, like, keep my mind active when I was just, like, walking just 12 hours walking. a day. Yeah. One of those things that I did to keep my mind active was to just, like, make mental note of, like, you know, what do I want to do after the PCT? How do I feel right now? Like, what are some things that I could have done differently? Because, like, in the back of my mind, I already knew, basically from the get-go, that this isn't going to be my last thru-hike. Like, if I'm going to go on another thru-hike, I want to do it better. And it's not like I did anything wrong the first time, either. Mm Because, like, there's just no way to anticipate or plan for anything. So, like... You really just have to go out there extremely open-minded and like whatever happens happens like you know if you get hurt then like don't do it again next time or like if you you know or, or maybe on your next through hike you'll have a better idea of how you want to do your resupplies right. or how you want to do your diet or like what kind of equipment you use and beyond just the experience too like i guess like you said you, you meet so many people on the mm-hmm. trail who have probably done it multiple times themselves yeah. and you probably pick up certain things just Mm -hmm. from talking to them right um so have you met anybody along the trail that you might ask to like line up uh, more trips with yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. nice tons of those people that's awesome like so in the this winter and probably future winters what i'm looking to do is uh work at a ski resort all winter okay i was like that inspiration came from this hiker that i met up like northern california like i crossed over the california oregon border with this person their name is logic and they work that's at a crazy name but that's awesome <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah so on on trail we all have like we all give each other really goofy names we call them trail names um so yeah back to the point he so so this guy had worked at ski resort for the past two winters and he went from having zero skiing experience to like having you know 120 plus days on the mountain just wow. from working at a ski resort and yeah. like that's like kind of the lifestyle that i want to pursue for the next couple of years where i work seasonally and then just like goof off the entire summer but working at a ski resort it's like totally enough to support you for the entire winter yeah. but you also get to spend all day all winter long like on a ski mountain yeah and just get really puts you really in good environment yeah, yeah get really good at skiing nice and be surrounded by people who are interested in the things that you're interested in. So some of the things that I want to do after like the PCT 
because like how I see it is hiking the PCT, it was like this big grand adventure that I wanted to go on, but it's also like a stepping stone for future adventures that mm-hmm. I would partake in. Yeah. Um, there's this there's this route, it's called the Sierra High Route. So the Pacific Crest Trail runs through the High Sierra. So once you get through 700 miles of desert, you're rewarded with 350, 400 miles of the High Sierra. And that runs um, along the John Muir Trail for about 200 miles. And like directly to the side of the John Muir Trail, there's a route, it's called the Sierra High Route. It stays at a higher elevation and there's no trail. It's totally unmapped. Um, You just need to download like GPS waypoints. I was gonna say, are you just like trusting the stars? You're just just winging it, man. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because like, you know, the John Muir Trail and the high and the high Sierra, right? It's the most remote section of wilderness mm-hmm. in all the U.S. pretty much. Right. Like there's not a three, 400 mile section of any trail in the U.S. that feels as remote as the high Sierra, except for maybe like the North Cascades in Washington. Right. Um, but it's on a trail. It's very heavily trafficked. You know, you see a lot of people on trail all day. But the Sierra High Route is like a totally different game because you need you need that backcountry expertise. You need to have, um, you need to be really confident in your ability to navigate map and compass. Right. Um, and but but I mean I that's such a unique <laughs> skill to have too that like that, yeah. that's probably something that goes into your preparation. Yeah, right? it's pretty sweet. Oh, preparation for the PCT, you actually don't need any navigational skills whatsoever. It is really? dumb easy, man. Like you're walking on a on a dirt path right. that goes okay. north. Like, yeah, you yeah. go north, you know? Yeah. And there's this app that just about every thru-hiker has. It's called Gut Hooks. Um, it's it's like a... It has, like... Um, I'm trying to describe it. It has a lot of waypoints. Mm-hmm. So it'll tell you, like, where water is. It'll oh, tell you, okay. like, road crossings, landmarks. Like, this is a good spot with, like, decent shade. Right. Or, like, this is a good campsite right around here. So, like, if you really didn't want to learn how to, like, read a map, you could just rely on gut hooks. But okay. personally, for me, I tried to avoid using gut hooks as much as possible, if especially after I was comfortable, like, hiking for a couple of months. Right. Um, and it's also really useful because, um, right, it has the map, it has the route, it'll tell you where you are in relation to the trail, and um, you can read comments posted by other hikers. Okay. And sometimes trail angels will post like contacts like, and hey, you get here. Are... So, so trail angels are like people who live near the trail typically who know of the trail community and oh, just want to do okay. everything that they can to like support the trail community. That's and a, awesome. a lot of the times the people who are trail angels are like people who have previously hiked the trail yeah. and they know what it's like and they know how how awesome it is to you know show up to a random road and some beautiful human being <laughs> in their van just pulls up with a cooler full of cold drinks and food so trail angel is a really apt name for yeah that. yeah yeah and and we call that trail magic when you receive trail magic <laughs> typically you get it from a trail angel nice um that's awesome yeah, so there will be, there's all sorts of trail angels. Like, sometimes um, trail angels will, like, you know, like I said, they'll post their phone numbers and be like, hey, if you need a ride, let me know. Sometimes, like, a trail angel can just chill by the side of a road 
waiting for hikers to give them stuff. Yeah. Um, I've had people come up to me in town and be like, hey, do you need a place to stay? And then let me crash in their backyard and then they'll feed me nice. and drive me around. Like, cause yeah. they know the, they know the struggle of, you know, traveling alone and living out of your backpack. Right. So, and it's, it's funny because once you hike the Pacific Crest Trail or just like any long distance trail and you receive trail magic, the more you experience that, the more you want to do trail magic. Yeah, and give to others. Right. right. Yeah. So I so so one of the biggest inspirations for me hiking the Pacific Crest Trail is like back in high school when I was hiking in Washington along the PCT. Yeah. Um, I had met like a good handful of through hikers that were like you know just a week or two away from hitting Canada. Yeah. And one of them told me that like, you know, my plan for next year is to come back and do trail magic, and I like didn't really understand that until like I experienced what it's like to receive trauma magic. So basically, yeah. One, so yeah, once I went back to Washington this year, so once I, after I flip-flopped, right. we did a little bit of trail magic, we just went to trails, nice. just like gave drinks and food to people. That's awesome. It's fun, yeah. That's like, really cool. It's, it's great just to like put smiles on people's faces. Like when you're in the mountains for multiple days and you're like sweating your balls off yeah. and you're hungry <laughs> and you're working hard, you're climbing up and down all day long, sleeping in the dirt it's the kindness it's, of it's the like stranger. the surprise yeah. and the kindness of the strangers right that's gonna bail you out because yeah. that that kind of leads me into my next question i was gonna ask of what what would you say was the hardest lowest point i guess for you hiking that trail that was like maybe the point where you were like maybe i want to quit here. Ooh, that's a good question. Like that's that? a really good question. I had many, many low points. Like okay. you would have low points, you'd have low and high points every day, but like the yeah. lowest of the low point, I can't really like pinpoint when, like what the lowest point was. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, the lowest point was when I had to like, just me accepting that I had to get off trail. You right. Know? There was never a point where I was considered quitting or considered quitting you know it was always like i'm making it to canada right there is no other option i am walking to canada yeah you know like it didn't matter how much pain i was in or how much i missed comforts or how difficult things were there were always ways for me to pick myself up wow and there was never a time where i was like legitimately or even like jokingly thinking about quitting it was not an option quitting was not an option so hmm because that that's like a pretty magical mentality to have yeah. i feel like and not something that's common mm. in a lot of people mm -hmm. um so where would you say that strength comes from in your mentality where does that strength come from yeah like what what motivated you in those moments to keep going or what throughout maybe your life mm -hmm. that has conditioned you to feel that way um well to start this off we'll just start like day zero of the pct so what happened on the first day of the pct um i camped at the mexican border mm -hmm. we call it like base camp and there's this guy who hangs out at base camp his name is legend and he told my group of hikers, so I think there were like four or five of us at base camp that night. Yeah. He told us that 
the quote, never quit on a bad day was wrong and it should just be never quit. Wow. So that really like, just like meeting legend yeah. in general and like listening to the stories that he had, um, yeah, really put me in the right state of mind. Yeah. yeah. Is um, hearing it from other people who have done it, who have before. Done it before. Right. And I, I think going into the, going into the trail with the right mindset is definitely really important. Um, you need to be very open-minded about like the outcome, yeah. but still be extremely motivated to just push on every single day. And you got to have really realistic expectations of like how much mileage you can handle. I guess that's a big thing too, is yeah. like setting expectations for right. yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think a lot of times when people feel the need to quit or give mm-hmm. up is when they feel that they've let themselves down or mm-hmm. that they haven't accomplished their goals. Right. But if you can keep yourself realistic while still mm-hmm. obviously pushing yourself, right. um, that's a really good way to stay in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess on the opposite end of the spectrum, can you point to the highest point on the trail that like w- was your, your favorite Ooh. bit, your favorite stretch? Maybe the highest point. I, I could go meeting okay. somebody. Now, now that you mentioned it, okay. I think <laughs> the highest point I had on trail was also the lowest point I had Interesting. Because, like, you're, I think, at least for me, my mood would swing so drastically. I feel like when you're outside for that long, you're in your head a lot of the time. Like, right. you're, like, your your emotions swing very quickly. Right. Um, and a lot of it's mental, too. So there was a section in the Sierra, it was actually exiting the Sierra. It was about a hundred miles stretch and it was definitely the most difficult hundred miles on the trail so far. And I was trying to rush through it. Um, right. So I've, I've always like entertained the idea of hiking through the Sierra and just like banging out fat mileage, like yeah. fat <laughs> mileage day in, day out, you know, but like, for the first 300 miles of the Sierra, I was hiking with the group, yeah. and we were chilling, just like enjoying our our hike, going yeah. like 15 miles a day on average. Okay. Um, you typically lower your mileage when you enter the Sierra because it's just so damn beautiful. Yeah. You don't want to like rush it, and also, um, like, it's a lot di- more difficult than the desert. Yeah. Like in terms of elevation and elevation change, because it's steeper, the terrain is rougher. Yeah. and um that's got you're at higher time. elevation you yeah know, you're constantly at 10 to 13,000 feet um <laughs> but it's also the perfect time to just push yourself as hard as possible yeah so i i had a deadline to meet because my parents agreed to drive all the way down to south lake tahoe uh-huh. to meet me and bring me food and like meet all my friends give them trail magic and everything and they were like so uh, we booked a hotel for this day so you kind of have to be here and i'm like i'm like four four and a half days out and there's like 100 miles to go and at that point i was averaging like you know 15 to 20 in the sierra so now you gotta do like what 25 yeah i was doing like 25s um i did 25s for like four to five days yeah and it was the that was like the most mileage i've done on trail so far and it was also like the most difficult section so like mentally it was tough because like 
I didn't like I knew I could do it but when you're doing it you don't think you could do it yeah because <laughs> like it's just so it's just so physically challenging to be like on your feet for that long right um so I remember there was one day it was the biggest day that I have done in the Sierra um it was like a I think it was like 28 miles through the Sierra mm-hmm. but the mental challenge was for me was like splitting off with my group for a couple of days or right. maybe even permanently because like you never really know like once you once you leave once you say goodbye to somebody on trail I guess that's kind of like the magic behind it is you may or may not ever see them again wow it's like you've hiked you've hiked like hundreds of miles with these people and you just have to accept that like you might not see them again wow. um so you form those bonds and then you just have to like my like my goals differ from theirs and I just need to I just need to go and I think that applies to like life in general I was gonna say why make me tear up right now (laughs) come on (laughs) that's crazy yeah man like dude trail life is honestly like I heard this from somebody else this guy named Cricket told me about it and like life on trail is really just a big metaphor for life in general right you know like a lot of the things that you experience on trail are things that are commonly experienced throughout life as well yeah um so yeah i was pushing myself really hard like i knew i could handle it physically yeah but i didn't know if i could handle it mentally right but even though i knew i had to do it like there was no there was no backing out right so there were there were like doubts floating around my head throughout those couple of days yeah and also a lot of confidence at the same time so like the low point would be at the end of that 28 mile day i i remember i was making really good pace i had pretty much hiked most of the day and it was still early in the day i think i had like seven miles left to go so one more mountain pass right um it was maybe around like 4 to 5 p.m and i wanted to get to camp relatively early while there was still light out so i could like rest and recover and eat a bunch of food for the next day yeah and for like i was feeling good the whole day but those last seven miles like beat me up so much physically that it started to like affect um my mental as well yeah and like i remember in the last mile of that day i was like checking my phone every five minutes like okay i've gone 0.2 miles okay i've gone 0.1 miles 0.1 miles I have 0.5 left and it was the most grueling 0.5 miles in my entire life like like 0.5 miles is nothing that is that's like 10 minutes of walking right but I at that at that point I legitimately thought I wasn't gonna make it and I thought that I was gonna get to camp and just collapse and fall down and then pass out like that's what I that's what it felt like but I got to camp and just felt the most blissful release of relief ever. Yeah. And I think I a lot. I can't even imagine. I mean, it, it felt awesome, dude. Yeah. Hitting camp, I thought I was going to pass out, and I felt great, dude. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I'm still moving. I still feel strong. <laughs> it was like, another half mile. yeah. So, so I think at that those last, like, couple of miles, I hit the wall. Um, I didn't really understand what it meant to hit the wall. Like, I know a lot of marathon runners, a lot of ultra marathoners, just, like, anyone who does endurance sports will eventually hit the wall. Right. And for me, it was 
like hitting the wall was the low point and then understanding that I had broken through was like the high point and that yeah. was like in the span of just That's a couple amazing. of hours that, that is something else because um, I mean that's not something that I feel like a lot of people can say that they've experienced anything similar <laughs> to that you know like mm -hmm. you can accomplish things that are really hard and you can feel mm -hmm. um, in, in a metaphorical kind of mm -hmm. way that you're like at your limit right um, but that that's something that's on an, another level to mm -hmm. experience it even physically right like, you, like you were well, saying no, it affects I, your mental too I would have to disagree because a lot of people like how I see it like the mind and body are, are one unit you know right so it doesn't matter if you're doing like crazy intense like outdoor physical activities like I'm sure everybody throughout their daily lives has experienced what it's like right. to be down mentally and have that affect their physical or be down physically and have that affect their mental wow. you know like a lot of people out there have probably experienced like getting injured yeah. and being like physically, you know, you, you hurt yourself, you're unable to walk, you're unable to use your arm or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. that, that really, really affects your mental as right. well. So like, just because you haven't experienced it to the extreme end doesn't mean you haven't experienced it. Right. Damn. <laughs> That's amazing. That, I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. I like that too, dude. Um, okay, so there's just there's just so much. There's so much like yeah. to talk about. I, I just like this specific, this specific day. I could spend so much time talking about. Yeah, I was gonna say we we've been here for a little over half an hour so far. But I'm already feeling like we're gonna have to <laughs> at least do another episode or something <laughs> at some point, um, just to talk about more stuff. Um, right. But I, another question that mm -hmm. I wanted to ask uh, was, having been through this, would you recommend other people taking oh, yeah. the same trip? Oh, yeah. Um, like, regardless of physical limitations mm -hmm. and stuff, obviously, uh, just the experience, you would say, mm -hmm. was uh, rewarding enough to, like, to, to recommend it to anybody else? I, I would say, like... I would absolutely recommend through hiking to anybody, you know, we're right. all capable of walking. That's what humans do best. Right. You know, we have the best suspension system out of like pretty much any species yeah. in terms of like long distance endurance. Sure. Um, but even if it's not through hiking, um, just the idea of like getting out there and just like dropping, you, you know, you don't necessarily have to like drop all your commitments, but like just making that leap and doing something cool i feel like anybody would benefit from and it's not necessarily like the reward is worth it i think just the act of going out and doing things is rewarding enough like the outcome right. doesn't matter right that was my mindset um when i hiked out of campo i was like i'm making it to canada but whatever happens i'm so proud of myself so happy that like i made effort to yeah. fly all the way down to the Mexican border yeah I like mean, I was already I was already content day one yeah that, that's an enormous commitment for anybody to right. make like you're in a completely foreign mm -hmm. land to where you've been um so yeah that's that's a really good point um 
And then a- another quick question that I had mm-hmm. wanted to ask was, if you could, if you wanted me to ask you any one question, what would it be? Like, is, is there a particular Ooh. answer that you want to say to listeners? Oh boy, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to come back to me on that one. <laughs> well, we'll come back to you on the the one question uh-huh. thing uh, later. But yeah, what what's one uh, or what could you say about the equipment that you had to bring and uh, I guess the day to day life um, for this trail. Day to day life. So the day to day life really, really varies between, you know, different hikers and like the section that you're hiking. Like for right. me, and I'm sure a lot of other PCT through hikers, um, the day to day life in the in the desert, the first 700 miles, when everyone's still adjusting to trail life, still you know, it's like the PCT is very romanticized. You're still in that romantic phase of yeah. the trail. <laughs> Although you're also slogging, <laughs> you're slogging through the desert, right? Yeah. So so it's so hot in SoCal that between like I would say twelve to four, twelve to three p.m., you just can't be in the sun. You're going to, you're going to bake alive. Yeah. So what I ended up doing was I would wake up about four in the morning, and then leave camp ideally four thirty, sometimes like five. And I'd start hiking and try to get in as many miles as I can before it starts getting too hot. Right. So I'd, I'd probably stop around 11 to 12. Okay. Or if I find a really cool spot um, or if I find like a, you know, water source with a tree next to it. Yeah. I would take what we we'd call the siesta. So in the desert, when we took siesta, it meant that we were going to stop during the middle of the day. We were going to avoid the sun, try to find shade right. and just rest. Um, okay. So I would take naps in the middle of the day if the conditions were would allow me to. So like yeah. if it wasn't like way too hot and if I had good consistent shade, I'd be able to take a nap. Right. And then around like four o'clock, I'd start hiking again. And then I'd hike into the night until I'm tired and then just pass out, do it again. So I kind of like slept in two phases. Right. And then in the high Sierra, um, it was just... This is wake up whenever I felt like waking up. We're only doing 15 miles. We'll yeah. just like do whatever we want. Oh, there's a lake. Let's jump in that. Right. Um, <laughs> it was it's, awesome. It sounds a little bit you more know? relaxed. Yeah. Right. But then after the Sierra, it was like, okay, we, we've hiked 1,100 miles. We are in the best walking shape of our lives. <laughs> we are past the point where like we're concerned about injury. You know, the first couple hundred miles, you're worried about getting hurt. But you've Especially worked on me, those, yeah. those muscles. And right. So at that, yeah, at that point, you're pretty capable of hiking very far. Right. Um, without getting hurt. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Northern California, it's starting to get flatter, mm-hmm. starting to get hotter. We're trying to race against the seasons. You know, if you go too slow, you're going you're gonna to hit Washington when it's too cold, and you're going to wow. get snowed in. You won't be able to finish because, like, if you're t- if you get there too late in the season, you physically can't get through the North Cascades wow. when there's too much snow. Okay. Um. That so it sense. was like, it's it's like business time now. Yeah. Like we we gotta go. <laughs> like it felt it started feeling real at that point. Like we just needed to bang out as many twenty five plus mile days as we could. Right. So every single day, every single full day of hiking, I would try to get in at least twenty five miles, and. Like, for me, the mental was, like, 
I would try to hit 26 miles because 26 would be a marathon. Yeah. And um, I, I like the idea of walking a marathon every single day. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like I have this um, post on my Instagram where it's like a marathon a day keeps the doctor away. Um, <laughs> I think I did see that. It's really, yeah. yeah, it's really fun being able to do that. It's very freeing as well. Yeah. So when I was trying to bang out those miles, um, everybody does it a little bit differently. But the way I would do it is... Um, when I was hiking in a group, for some reason, I, I was always, like, the last person out of camp. Like, I would sleep in the latest. <laughs> I think I was, like, so I was, like, the youngest person I met on trail. I'm 21. Um, most of the people okay. are, like, in their 30s, like, late 20s. Yeah. They wake up real early, and I'm, like, nah, I ain't about, <laughs> I ain't about that. I'm so, a college student. <laughs> so my, my personal hiking style is to hike slow and steady. Sure. So even if I... Even if I woke up very late and left camp an hour or two after everybody left, yeah. I would I would walk and I would not stop for pretty much the whole day. Yeah, um, you want to go at your own pace. Probably. Right, yeah, exactly. That. It's really important to go at your own pace. Um, but for me, my, my natural pace is like pretty slow, like two, two and a half miles an hour. But the okay. thing is, when you're trying to go very far, it's not about going fast, it's about going for longer yeah um and walking slower is like it's way more efficient in terms of burning calories and like how much stress you apply to your body so i would hike maybe 10 miles uh and that would take about three and a half hours take like a five minute break do it again and then at that point i'd have like you know six miles left at the end of the day Mm -hmm. um and like, let me try. I'm trying to think. I usually hit camp at like 7 p.m., okay. which gave me about an hour of daylight to just like chill around at camp, stretch out, eat yeah. food, and then I'd go to sleep at nine. Right. Uh, we call that hiker midnight. You know, because okay. when you're when you're outside, your body adapts to like, um, just your body adapts to when the sun comes up and the sun comes down. Like your circadian rhythm really synchronizes with this with the sun okay so you start to become you start to become tired when the sun starts setting so you want to keep it that way you didn't want to hit camp too late and like if it was dark you'd be tired you wouldn't you wouldn't take the time to take care of your body your body will tell you when it's time to right okay so yeah there was a lot of that um it was crazy because after a certain point i would be able to just like look at the sky and tell you like what time it is like plus minus 10 minutes yeah um, without like having to check my watch that's um, crazy and then you would wake up with the sun yeah so every day i'd wake up at like five in the morning and then just go right back to sleep wow. because the sun comes up and there's like nothing covering me yeah i mean um, that makes sense i didn't sleep in a tent half the time so we call it cowboy camping uh-huh. you so cowboy camping is when you sleep without a shelter and the conditions on the pct like 90% of the time are really, really nice and allow you to cowboy camp. Uh-huh. Um, so instead of going through the effort of pitching your tent or pitching your tarp, which is like, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like two minutes of effort, but none <laughs> of us did it. Yeah. Um, and also like when you cowboy camp, you feel very, very grounded, very close to nature. Like you're right, just, I've you're very, you. very one with like your surroundings yeah. when you're just when you're just defenseless, I guess. Right. Um, being in your shelter gives you like, a, like a very false.
false sense of security. But when you're out of it, like you feel so grounded. It's it's a really nice feeling. That's why I started tarping. Interesting. Um, I I started off with a Dan Durston X Mid tent. Um, it's like a double layer trekking pole tent, uh-huh. and I found that I didn't end up using it very often. And when I did use it, I would separate the bug net from the rainfly uh-huh. and just pitch it like a tarp. So it was like a pyramid tarp. Um, so okay. I enjoyed tarping enough to the point where I just decided like, okay, well, I'll just buy the tiniest tarp I can get. And if I need it, it's an emergency shelter. Otherwise I'll cowboy camp. Okay. Um, so that's, that was like my shelter setup. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty cool way to go about it. Yeah. You feel more connected, I guess. You do feel really connected, especially when it like actually rains on you. Yeah. Like the few times that I've slept in like big rainstorms in a tarp, like the thing is, the thing is like three feet above your face and you're barely covered. And if you roll over, you just see like, (laughs) you just see mountains and nature and stuff. Yeah. And since the tarp is so close to your head, when the rain pelts against the tarp, it's really loud. Yeah. And for me, for me, it was really relaxing. Like the first time I was like kind of scared because like, um, when I got that tarp, the night I had pitched it for the very first time was also like kind of a big rainstorm in Washington. Oh, jeez. Um, so I was like in the back of my head, like, okay, if this tarp goes down, I'm that's cooked. a lot. Of, that's a lot of water. Yeah. Like I'm hit. I'm here, like trying to sleep, and this water's pelting constantly into yeah. my tarp, and I know it's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. But I'm safe underneath it, so it's it's a very um very surreal experience to be right. to be able to sleep like that yeah so kind of like to, to take it back to what you had been saying earlier like when you're walking through the desert mm-hmm. um you had mentioned that you want to obviously find shade for mm-hmm. the the harshest parts of the day right. um so did you have that portable shelter like tarp with you oh. at that time to like cover yourself up or so okay okay a lot of people including me thought that you could pitch your tarp for shade but it just turns into a greenhouse so you you don't do that (laughs) you you find you find whatever shade you can get yeah usually it's like a bush right (laughs) sometimes there's like i I remember i came across this place it's called um mike's place Uh and it was just this dude who owns like property like less than half a mile off the trail and welcomes all PCT through hikers. Just has like a lot of things set up, like grills and like um, ingredients to cook with and drinks just stocked up. Yeah. So there, that's a cool spot to take a siesta. And then there's other times where I'd be like laying underneath a bush that's like four feet off the ground, <laughs> and I'm stuck there for like three there's hours. No way. Yeah, I'm stuck there for like three hours. Like my friends and I are just chilling, and like looking at our water bottles being like we're 10 miles away from the next water i have like a liter and a half of water and i can't move and i'm baking in this like 95 degree oh ambient God. temperature like yeah it is even in the shade like it is not it is not cool in the shade that's crazy i'm yeah i mean i imagine it's still gonna be like 95 just like yeah heat around you uh-huh without even just the so like i imagine in the sun it feels like what 200 degrees beating down on you you get pretty used to it pretty quick in fact um looking back at the desert 
It, it's funny because I, I had this conversation with a couple of other hikers, like, when we were up in Northern California. We had been hiking, you know, probably for two and a half, three months by then. But just, like, like looking back towards our experience in the desert, it's like, how did we do that? Like, because... <laughs> You know, when I was hiking 25 plus a day in NorCal, it was pretty easy, pretty chill. Like, it wasn't as hot as the desert. But in the desert, we were weaker physically. Right. We were less experienced, like, just being outdoors for an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, and our feet were getting toasted. Like, we, we didn't have calluses built up. Like, your feet are freaking out. Like, they don't know what to do. The ground, <laughs> the ground gets hotter than the ambient temperature. So, like, right. in the desert... Um, like it just absorbs all that heat from the sun yeah. and it doesn't cool off until night. And then at nighttime it gets really cold because Freezing, there's yeah. nothing to retain any heat yeah. and all the wind blowing from the Pacific ocean just cools it off gradually. So like the conditions in the desert were extremely harsh. And I just remember like just there's days where the entire day I'm just walking around in this like mental haze of like, I feel like I'm just, looking right, right forward yeah. and like about to pass out and i'm just like one step another step another yeah. step another step like i mean there's one like, step at a time yeah there's like the the movie trope i guess of like seeing mirages or mm-hmm. whatever like starting to hallucinate and i mm-hmm. i imagine it's hard oh yeah you to. you get those you get some really really interesting hallucinations like there <laughs> there have been some times where like i'm hiking in a group but like one of my buddies is ahead of me by a couple of miles and I haven't seen him all day and like I'll be walking around like oh so woozy through the desert yeah. and like I see this like tree stump and I think it's my <laughs> friend <laughs> or like or like That's I hear real. I hear something and I think it's water what? um it is very real That's real It is very That's very crazy. real Yeah Man I can't even imagine <laughs> something like, I I would I think I would lose it it's like okay when you're it. when you're hiking through the desert you're like this is fine I can do this like, yeah I'm I have to like there's no choice right right but then looking back at it it's like oh my god that was just torture right like, <laughs> but what? I'd do it again I would so do it again <laughs> and again and again like it is it's awesome I want to hike the um, Arizona Trail um, like at I mean, some that's point be like all desert right? yeah the Arizona Trail it's I think it's like five hundred miles it's something that you could bang out like couple of weeks compared to a couple of months right um so it's like much less commitment but um for the people like me who hate themselves and enjoy the <laughs> socal desert it's pretty it's a pretty similar experience yeah so um yeah i'm looking forward to doing that uh maybe like the colorado trail i heard is really nice okay um i'm, I'm mostly just interested in stuff on the west coast because i i enjoy the the environment on the west coast a lot more than i do on the east coast but you know, I right. did bring all my backpacking gear to school, so okay. I'm gonna try yeah, to get some hikes do some in. impromptu yeah, hiking for sure. Um, okay, and then one last burning question mm-hmm. that I felt like I had to ask yeah. was: so in those moments when you're not hiking mm-hmm. and you're just kind of sitting around recovering or something like that, um, what do you do to fill the time? Like especially uh, when you're saying in the in the desert, the you, you can't, yeah, during the CSs, yeah. what do you do? Because you can't exactly bring your DS or something. And I mean, you can. <laughs> and I've seen it done. <laughs> no way. I've seen it You're done. You're lying. No way. I saw a kid with a Game Boy, man. <laughs> That's and amazing. So people would bring, people will bring all sorts of things. Like, I know um, 
is this girl named Pele. She brought her soccer ball and it just dangled off the side of her pack. That's why I've she seen, was called Pele, I guess. Yeah, I've nice. seen a lot of um, guitars, okay. a lot of instruments. That um, makes sense. So when I jumped around the, um, it was, it was the Dixie Fire. I had ridden in the back of a U-Haul for 200 miles. I saw the photos of that. That looked awful. <laughs> I'm oh my god! That'll another, next another episode. episode. Next yeah. episode, the U-Haul, the U-Haul <laughs> ride. Um, so I had been dropped off north of the Dixie Fire, and the group that I was hiking with at the time, that I had hiked with for a while, like they decided to continue hiking from where they were dropped off. And I said, or like my opinion was, well, I'm from the West Coast. I understand what the wildfires are like. I don't feel comfortable hiking like north of the Dixie, like so close to the Dixie Fire. So I, I actually ended up taking public transit and a couple of hitches to go even further north. Mm. And at that point, it, I was totally alone, um, hiking with a new bubble of hikers. And the bubble of hikers that I were I was hiking with, they had harmonicas. Like they had, nice. they had harmonicas of like different scales and everything. And they were, <laughs> and and one of them had a guitar. That's and sick. It was it was fun, man. We would just sing and dance and and listen to music and just enjoy each other's company. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, because I mean, I was gonna say, when you're hiking something as long as that, mm-hmm. um, you probably want to minimize obviously the amount of weight that you're carrying, mm-hmm. and then being the person to carry an instrument has yeah. to be another level. You got to keep it safe um, from the rain. Yeah, like, that too. Right. But for some people it's worth it, man. Like yeah. one of one of my really close friends who I met on the PCT turtle, um, hilarious dude. He's so funny, but he, he carries, um, so he's a, so this is the first time bringing it up in the podcast. He, he's like ultralight hiker. Like I am, mm-hmm. Um, we like to minimize the amount of things we carry. Yeah. Um, and he has one of the tiniest backpacks I've ever seen. Like that guy doesn't carry a shelter. He's got no no hip belt, no frame. Like his pack was probably like no bigger than a school backpack. Yeah. Like a big school backpack. And he would walk around. He'd hike all day long. His name was Turtle. Uh-huh. He had a really similar like style of hiking to like what my style was, which is just hike all day long, very slow, right. slow and steady, take as small breaks. Um, That's got to be a unicorn sighting to have somebody who does it the same way as you do, I right. think. And he would just walk around shirtless, <laughs> you know, playing away. Strumming his guitar. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. I guess the people who made the effort to bring out their instruments and stuff mm-hmm. and entertain people are kind of uh trail angels in their their own right lives. yeah yeah just providing uh, entertainment and joy to because that makes hikers a, a huge them. difference yeah, I bet. It, it really does bring the spirits up and like honestly the people are what make the trail like you don't go out um on a, on a long distance trail expecting the trail to be the trail right. like it's really it's really all about the people Please. that you meet on the on the way that's awesome that's really cool all right, but uh, I hate to, to cut the podcast off now because I feel like there's a thousand more questions I that I could ask you. Um, so I'm definitely going to have to bring you on for another episode. Um, but before we go, uh, did you have any quick things that you wanted to shout out or uh, anybody that you met along the trail that you'd like to shout out or any links to drop, social media? Tree beard dude, I fucking love you. <laughs> Tree beard dude? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we love 
love the shout-outs. I met him on day zero. Okay. Day zero. The first person that I had hiked with on PCT, was their name was Treebeard. Nice. They called him <laughs> Treebeard because he gave off, like, a protector of the woods vibe. He like had hiked, a mythological so kind of... Yeah, he, he hiked the Appalachian Trail, and that's where he got his name. And, like, the protector of the woods vibe definitely definitely applies nice and he really put me in like the right mindset and set me up for success like along the way that's so, awesome big props to treebeard really appreciate you nice glad we were able to uh, shout him out um <laughs> so I, I appreciate you uh coming on for the show so yeah yeah, yeah i appreciate you having me it was fun yeah uh so I'll definitely have you on for another episode mm-hmm. and uh until until next time <laughs>